Hey, physician friends, you all are in for a treat today. I am talking with a dear friend of mine and colleague and former OBGYN partner, Dr. Sam Wilcox. Now, I've known Dr. Wilcox for probably around 12 years, and some of the things we talk about in this episode, I didn't know about him, so I know you will enjoy it. But to give you a little bit of a taster of what you're going to hear today, uh, he is the owner of a comic book store. Now, in the physician entrepreneur world, we hear about investing in real estate and digital online businesses and coaching and all of those things. But we don't often hear about physicians owning a brick and mortar store outside of maybe owning a franchise or something like that. But he's the only physician entrepreneur that I know of that actually has a brick and mortar store. And he actually works here full time now. So if you are into comics at any point or like comics at all, you're going to enjoy this episode with Dr. Wilcox. This is going to be a fun one. So without further ado, here is Dr. Sam Wilcox. Welcome to Life, Love, and Leadership for Physicians podcast. Here, we explore the central topics of intentional life design, boundaries, health, wellness, and leadership for physicians. I am dedicated to helping you create meaningful structures in your life that support both professional and personal growth. Hi, I'm your host, Dr. Rachel Miller. I've tackled some of the same issues that many of us in the medical field struggle with such as creating meaningful connections, imposter syndrome, and having a life outside of the office. Join me each week as my guests and I tackle these topics and so much more, delivering content that shows you the importance of investing time into yourself beyond caring for those around you. Tap the follow button so you never miss an episode. Hello, friends. I have a special treat for you all. I have a dear friend of mine, Dr. Sam Wilcox, who is coming to the show today, and I'm excited to speak with him. So this is this is a, my fellow OBGYN, former partner. We worked together for quite some time together, and he is a comic book fanatic, and we're going to talk about how he took his hobby and started off as a side gig, and now it's his full-time gig, and this is what he's doing full-time. And so uh, we're going to talk about his story, and I've got some really fun questions, and, and I'm really looking forward to this episode today and this conversation with you. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Dr. Miller. So would you please introduce yourself? I know you very well, but if you can please introduce yourself. Well, I am Dr. Sam Wilcox II. I practice uh, with Rachel. How many years did we practice with Rachel? It was a long time. <laughs> uh, at the practice for probably about 15, 16 years, and then subsequently had um, surgery on my back. And Something that was supposed to be, like Rachel said, a little side thing. It was supposed to be my ride off into the sunset, but it kind of became my full-time thing. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So when we think about physicians who are doing things on the side, I know for me, I don't think about 
comics and comic books. It's never really been something that I'm, I would think that a physician would really get into or be interested in. So can you please, I'd love to hear the story of how you got into comics. So, I mean, it's pretty easy because when I grew up, you know, I loved Spider-Man, Superman, just X-Men. Was just enthralled with the whole having superpowers and like many young kids, maybe more so little boys than girls. Not not saying little girls don't, especially nowadays. I love how the girls are into it now, but just wanted superpowers. And you know what? It wasn't going to happen. And so it was just my way of just getting lost into things. It was a little bit of an escape from reality, but just the wonders of being able to see a person do extraordinary things. And so, you know, at some point, my interest, you know, my interest was always science. Maybe that probably fed into it because, you know, most superheroes had like a, a little genius aspect to it. And then they would uh, have a scientific accident and end up with superpowers. But, you know, once again, that wasn't going to happen. And my interest in science and in particular obstetrics really blossomed. So comics never went away. You know, I continued to read them and enjoy them, you know, junior high senior high, and then in the college as well, and residency. Uh, residency, it was harder, took a little bit of a hiatus just because you know how we get beat on in residency and you have a little time to do anything, but it never left. It's been with me since I was a, a, a child. Who's your favorite um, character? That has evolved over the years. If I'm going to go with the person who's been there the longest, it would probably be a toss-up between Spider-Man and Superman, you know, later on, the X-Men ended up being my favorite just because them and their plight tended to resonate with my life and, you know, the lives of African-Americans. If you look at the story, you know, we talk about it all the time. If you look at the characters, Professor X is essentially Martin Luther King and Magneto is essentially Malcolm X. So if you look at their struggle, that that's another part about it. You know, like I said, as I got older, you know, certain characters started resonating with me more just because of the life struggles that they had. And so when you can start seeing these characters in yourself, it makes an attachment. You know, then there's the obvious like T'Challa and Black Panther, you know, love that dude. So it's hard to pick one. But when it started, it was probably Spider-Man and Superman, because guess what? You know, we weren't getting any pub regarding Black Panther. He he wasn't getting any any like TV time, any movie time or anything like that. So, you know, those were probably my original favorites. It's interesting you say that because as a kid, I certainly didn't know anything about Black Panther. I just knew that there was Superman and Spider-Man and I wanted to fly and <laughs> and that's it. And one of the things I've learned over the ca- over the past several years is how all of these comics and all these characters like, you know, are go into different stories and how it's like a matrix. It's like a whole nother world. And it is its own little universe. I had no clue. Well, it's funny that you say that. It's because once everybody at the hospital found out that I was doing the comic book store, you would like, okay, so you remember me. I was like, yeah. I did my, I ate before I came into work. Everybody would say, you know, let's go eat. And I said, I already ate. 
you saw my routine. I'm like, you never know what's going to come in. And then next thing you know, I'm not going to be able to eat. So I've already eaten. I came in. And then when I got down to finally settling down and I would go sit at lunch and just want to kind of decompress. And then everybody wanted to come over and talk to me like, hey, hey, Sam, you, you have the comic book store, right? And I just found out how everybody had their little thing and they just wanted to come talk to me about, you know, comics and all this other stuff and, you know, what they thought was cool. And it was it was fun and cool to kind of see people and their little kids kind of coming out. Just like you said, when you were talking about I wanted to do this and then with all of the movies and everything else going on, you know, it piqued more interest in that stuff when I, all I wanted to do was to finally sit down and eat some food. And now people want to talk to me about stuff. I would be in the um, call room catching up on, you know, if I wasn't doing my maintenance of certain certification, I was like catching up on comics and, you know, if I was behind on something. So. So when, you know, when you were thinking about, you know, I love comics and I love this whole concept of this, this universe, how did you go from, I like this, this is my hobby, to I'm going to create something. Well, that happened as a result of just realizing or seeing many of our colleagues who will remain nameless, but we saw some older, older guys. And it was always amazing to me that I knew a good number of them were well off and they were cool, but it was like they felt like there would be a void and they... They just couldn't stop. And that was crazy to me. And we just see with any other profession, I see people who do this all the time where they retire. And then what do they do? They go back and they work because they feel like they don't. They're like there's a void or there's something missing. And I didn't want that. You know, if I'm done, I'm done. And so I looked at it and we didn't have a comic book uh, store in the area. And, you know, for when I first got here. There was a little gap where I missed out on a lot of comics because when we first moved here, we lived in Charlotte. But then, you know, when we had kids, I was like, you know, I can't be away from the family too much because, you know, we have a certain amount of time we have to be with or distance within the hospital. So we moved closer, but I couldn't go back to the comic book store. I could, but it was a chore. And then there were a couple of places or one place in particular. No, it was a couple that were closer here, but I just did not like them. And so eventually I said, why not? You know, why not get this started right now? This won't be my main thing. And then when it's time for me to ride off into the sunset, I'll have that set up and I can just do that. I won't feel like I have this void, you know? So it wasn't meant to replace anything that or medicine. I, I was supposed to be practicing for much longer it was literally supposed to be later for when I was scaling down, but then life happens. <laughs> yeah. Oftentimes when physicians uh, start a side gig or start a business, it's, I think it's normal to think, is this business going to be successful? Am I going to make money? You know, like, what am I doing? And you really question yourself when you're going through that process. I'm curious has that happened to you? And if you did, how do you how do you overcome that and just continue to stay positive? What's your inspiration? Well, you know, quick story before this start, this process took a long time. So probably 10 years before when I actually did it, I thought about it. I thought about it several times, Rachel, but 
I read this article. I just Googled it and I read this article and it was uh, titled, So You Think You Want to Open a Comic Book Store? And it was written by the owner of Mile High Comics, probably one of the biggest, oldest, most successful you know, places that have multiple stores. And the article started with that title. And the first question he posed was, why do you want to open a comic book store? And he said, if your answer is because I like comics, stop reading right now. And guess what, Rachel? I stopped reading because that was my only reason I wanted to do it. And I took it to heart. And then over that 10 year time period, I would keep reading that article. And I it's, it was supposed to be like a nine part series. I couldn't even get past the first page because of the first part of it, because as I got lower, as I convinced myself, okay, so it's more than comics. I think I can do this. I would read something else in that piece that discouraged me until one day I finally got through that first article and said, you know what? I think I can do this. Then one of the other big deterrents, I think, you know, part two was the monetary aspect. <laughs> and there you have it. I'm sitting here and I'm like, this is going to cost how much you have to make this. And I didn't go to business school. You know, that wasn't my thing. I knew nothing about it. I just knew people. So I actually would talk to some of the local comic book places and ask them, you know, what they thought and, you know, what, you know, I should expect from an investment standpoint. That was another part about it. I didn't want to take out any loans. You know, it was also during a time period where I was pretty comfortable where I was and, you know, going into debt was not an option. So me being able to fund it, and I know everyone can't do that, was important. Thinking about how they gave me a timetable and said, you know, five years, that's what it's going to take. And I, I like, that was my mantra. I don't know how true it was, but, you know, you read it places, you spoke to other people who were business owners, and they were like, don't expect to see any profit until about five years. And I took that. That was my mantra. And I just kept so that kind of helped me, even though it was hard writing those checks. Not fun. I got tired of writing checks, <laughs> Rachel. But at some point, I would see progress each year. I saw progress. You know, it wasn't like we were ever going backwards. And because I saw that, I mean, it, you know, it was still kind of like I still need to get to this point. Am I going to be able to make it like that? That's a little bit of a leap. And sure enough, when you got to like year three, four, Next thing you know, it was like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> we made a big little leap here. So staying true to those principles, some of the things that I set up, making a business plan, you know, learning about all of that stuff, that was helpful in keeping me going. A lot of prayer, <laughs> a lot of prayer about stuff. And then from a time standpoint, it was so helpful to have people that I could rely on to be able to help me, you know, because, you know, we were on call. I didn't do anything with my schedule. I still had to do stuff. So I would run, you know, while I was on call and things were like quiet to go do stuff. It, it kind of impacted family time just because I was over here doing stuff. But then I tried to incorporate them into it. That was another big thing. I didn't want it to be a thing where it pulled me away from them. So if I was over here doing stuff, or we were doing an event or we were doing some setup, you know, I would get the girls to come with me. So, you know, family, friends, some of the staff over at uh, our one office, man, those girls were awesome. They were also instrumental in helping me because they believed in me. So they wanted to help. So, you know, what we deal with in OB is a lot of 
high stakes situations and it can be a really stressful job. How did your interest in you know building the business and comics in general, uh, how did that help you have an outlet? How did that help you with your overall well-being, your mental health? What sort of impacts did you, did oh, you see? It was, it was, I mean, it was a stress in itself, as I, I kind of mentioned. So that one stress kind of pulled away from the, you know, other stresses of the hospital. But comics, as I mentioned to you before, it's an escape. Like I said, I would be in, in the call room sometimes reading some of the stories that I had been behind with, and that was my little escape. You know, you know, we also do video games and stuff here. Okay, one of the big things was playing Destiny, which was like cathartic. Like when you were having a bad day, and then you could turn around and go shoot somebody in the face. It's awesome. <laughs> And there are many people who knew that I was playing and all I would say was playing Destiny. I'm shooting people in the face. I'm such and such. It, it helps. It does. And so don't let people talk about, you know, games and how, you know, you can act out. It can actually, you can channel some stuff, you know, to read comics and play some video games. <laughs> what sort of, if someone is interested or is thinking about starting a side gig, for whatever reason, whether it's an outlet, whether it's to run off into the sunset, what sort of advice would you give someone who was interested in doing something like that? Do something. Well, first of all, make a business plan. Okay. You know, if you have to take a, a little class or, you know, do whatever, I think one of the local community colleges offered some things. Talk to other business owners, but, you know, kind of draw out. And it lists out what it is that you want to accomplish. Look at your area, you know, see if there's a need for what you're trying to offer. And, you know, just research it as much as you can. Like I said, it's not, it can't be a whim thing. As I told you, it was like almost a 10 year process of me, you know, vacillating between what, if I wanted to do it or not. But then something really hit me. It just, it really stuck with me. And I think it happened when I was on call. Like I couldn't shake it this time. It was so strong. I almost feel like it was a spiritual thing. And everything that I came up with, it's almost like if I was trying to talk myself out of something, a solution came up and it would make sense. It was, it was almost like I was seeing signs. But at the end of the day, you know, make sure you have your plan. Make sure you have a monetary plan as well. And support. Having some folks that support you is really helpful. I don't think personally it can just be, oh, I want to do this because it's a lot more than that. And it can end up causing a lot more frustration and just unhappiness if it doesn't go well, because there's going to be some hard times. There's definitely going to be some struggle. But being able to, you know, kind of just persevere and see yourself through it and see that it makes sense, see that it is working. That's instrumental. What, if anything, would you do differently if you had to start over again? From the business standpoint? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What would I do differently? Hmm. That's interesting because it was, well, one, I would believe in myself a little bit more because <laughs> I would have probably benefited from my lease if I would have had more confidence in myself. <laughs> I actually thought that 
I was, I, I think I let some, some background noise get into my head and said, you know, I'm just going to do this one year, you know, type of thing and ended up doing fine and I was okay. And then I didn't have that same benefit that would have been afforded me if I would have just jumped in. But you know, once again, being a little cautious, I mean, it could have been bad if it went the other way. So I wish I would have, you know, had a little bit more confidence in myself and the ability for this to last. But from a standpoint of planning and everything, I don't know if there would be much that I could change. You know, no, not even starting it sooner because financially I was in a good place where, like I said, you know, starting it sooner, I would have probably had to do loans or something like that. So I don't know. It, it was just the timing of it and everything. Like I said, it was a, a spiritual thing. Something pushed me to say, do it right then. From the standpoint of my girls, they were getting bigger. They were starting to kind of establish their independence and stuff. So I just think, I think it was a good time. I, I don't know if there was much I would change other than what I mentioned. Yeah, that's good advice. So my, a few takeaways that I have from from this conversation is making sure you have a business plan, including a monetary plan. Make sure you do your research. Make sure you talk to mentors and asking other people who have been there before. And then trust the process. It's going to take time. It's going to, it's, 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 you got it's going to take time. It's going to take time to, you know, turn a profit and believing in yourself. So those are some really good tips. Two more at least. Location. Okay. Knowing your business demographic. Location is mm. so key in things. And, you know, to your other point about believing in yourself, just being open-minded about the process, but learning from your mistakes, not making the the same mistakes, not one instant gratification. Um, like maybe you will have a business that booms right off the bat, but typically they're definitely growing pain. So just like you mentioned before, patience, that's, that's going to be key, but having a good location, I don't know that, you know, applies from a standpoint of if you're doing something online, but if you're doing brick and mortar, you know, location is key as well. Awesome. These are really good tips. If any of our listeners are interested in potentially doing something similar or even just have questions for you about the process that you went through, could you, would you be willing to share your email address so people can reach out to you? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what's your email? So it is D-O-C-S-B-S-M-T-2. So Docs Basement 2 at att.net. D-O-C-S-B-S-M-T-2 at att.net. Yes. I'll be sure to link that in the show notes so that people can reach out to you if they have any questions. And I would like to note that the store is Docs Basement on the second floor. The name came before the place. You know, you don't play. I, I, for a second, I actually thought about changing it to Doc's Attic, but I'm like, you know what? You don't play video games or do stuff. You just store stuff in your attic. So I love the name. It's great. Well, it was so great talking to you, Sam. And thank you for being willing to talk to us about this. It's wonderful. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're so welcome. Thanks for tuning in to this Life, Love, and Leadership for Physicians episode. 
Did you have an aha moment? I'd love it if you shared it with me on Instagram at drrachelmillermd. That's drrachelmillermd. If you love the show and want to hear more, follow the podcast and give me a rating and a review. If there's a specific topic you'd like for me to cover or a guest you'd like for me to have on the show, please let me know. I love your suggestions.